0: hello everybody and welcome back to an all new american cities and special this week i am joined by mr david mooney himself of espnfc uh david man how you doing on this lovely day
1: i am uh doing fine thank you very much it's uh it's not quite uh, daytime here at the moment but it's, uh, it's a nice pleasant evening so it's, uh, it's fine by me
0: fair play fair play uh I, yeah I have to remember to ask you guys
1: how was your day <laughs> <laughs> yeah because we're we're a little bit heady, aren't we um my day my day was wonderful i've um i spent the entire- i've been off work today so I've spent the entire day um just with friends and wandering around town and just just relaxing so it's been it's been nice to to enjoy it on a decent day
0: absolutely and you know, uh, one, the reason we're here today is, uh, and I want to preface this by saying, you know, start off because there are going to be people who have varying degrees of, of political views and some people aren't going to care for this issue and be like, stick to sports. Well, my podcast, my show, so stick your lips <laughs> on my ass.
1: I do like a, I, I do like a dictator I um, like that with Blue Moon. So. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but... Um, Basically, I feel like this issue is sports. This is relevant in sports. This is something that people have to deal with on a daily basis, and particularly in football. Um, this this type of stuff, especially in light of Andre Gray's uh, rise and fall from fame in less than – Two hours, really. It was impressive, <laughs> almost, yeah. almost in right instantan- right yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if it, I, I actually think they happened at the same time, which may be a first. Um, but uh, you know, if this isn't your flavor, feel free to tune it off. But please spare us the hateful you know, whatever, because all I'm going to do is block your ass and, and, and prevent you from contacting us. So that's my disclaimer. Um, what what I wanted to talk to you today about, David, was uh, the, the Pride Parade, the LGBT Pride Parade, was recently in Manchester. Uh, first of all, uh, set the stage for us with why that was such a big deal anyhow.
1: Um, I think... Ultimately, I think. I think first off, uh, for disclosure, um, I'd make no secret of it on Twitter. I am gay myself, so um, if you, if any of your listeners do follow me on Twitter, they, they will probably already know that. Um, I think the the big thing for me about why it exists is not because I, I, people people look at it as as that we're living in in 2016 and that. You know, we're we're in a time when certainly in the UK. I don't know how. I don't know exactly. Um, you have to forgive me about America. I'm a little bit ignorant about about how things work over there. Uh, but certainly in the UK, uh, equal rights are quite. Uh, they're quite close to being equal in terms of what you can can't do and and that sort of thing. We have gay marriage throughout the throughout the country. We have, um, you know, the, the the right to be next of kin and all that sort of stuff when it comes to to partners who. Uh, not very well. Who've passed away, that sort of stuff. So, so there's there's certainly um, I, w- I won't sit here and say that equality is finished because I don't think it is. I think there's still a long way to go in not necessarily with just gay rights, but with with all sorts of minority rights. Um, but I think we're, we're making huge strides in that direction. That being said, um, I think the biggest re- reason why a pride parade is important and why it exists is because there are still people who are threatened who are um beaten who are killed simply because of who they are and who they love and that sort of thing and i think just just having that that ability to normalize it to, to make it a thing that kids can go to and enjoy the parade and then say why are we here what's this all about and then for the parents to say uh, it's to celebrate diversity it's to celebrate the fact that there are people that are different but they're not any less important or are not any less valuable because they are different and i think it's it's important to to kind of keep that rich understanding i mean there's every every time it, it comes up there's always a, a, a kind of a, a real usually right-wing group that will will come up and say well we don't have a straight pride parade and i i always kind of sit down and wonder why on earth do you need one you've you know every day has been a straight pride parade for the the whole of human history it's not been no i I don't know anybody that would seriously suggest that straight people are persecuted because of who they who they fall in love with and yet there are still people who don't feel safe you know introducing a partner to people at work because they're the same gender and that's not right so i think ultimately the reason it exists is a reaction to that and it's not I'm not going to sit here and claim that homophobia is a huge, huge issue. It's that there are issues in the in this country that that need to be dealt with. Homophobia is one of them, uh, but it's certainly got a lot better over the last twenty, thirty years or so. And I think what we what we often lose sight of is that yes, it's got better, but it's not the best it can be. I.e., it still exists, and while it still exists, this sort of thing is important. In-
0: you know, as it pertains to football, you know, uh, it, it, especially because, you know, you mentioned I don't know how it is in America with equality. I was laughing behind the microphone <laughs> on mute. I was just like, oh, brother, come here, hang out with us. Find out how unwelcome you are. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I just... I want you, you look at Andre Gray and and why this is relevant to football, and you, you know you, you authored an article on this for a site specifically dedicated, uh, you know for for you know for for gay athletics. Uh, well, athletics involving gay individuals. Let's let's put that differently. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Gay athletics, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and also writers who are gay and 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 are probably better equipped to handle the discussion of some of these topics uh, than maybe some other people. Uh, but I thought your your article was really well stated. Uh, first, I just want to get into those who don't know. Uh, why don't you go ahead and explain what Andre gray well did
1: Yeah um, I think ultimately it comes down to a, a young kid making a mistake and I think hes at the time about it was about four years ago it was in 2012 when he was a non-league player um, he'd tweeted a string of, of uh, tweets that had been uh, quite inflammatory. to him. It was something along the lines of I'm not I can't quote verbatim, I don't remember what it was but it, it was something along the lines of um, is it me or are there gays everywhere hashtag burning hell and that it, it, it's it's not necessarily the homophobia behind that that I think is a big issue it's the hatred that comes with it the the hashtag there is it's obscene that level of of kind of uh, threat towards other people it's, it's it's to the point where it is. I would say, close to inciting violence. And he was... He then... You know, he's had he's quite a good career. He signed up through a couple of other clubs, ended up at Burnley, scored his first goal. And on that day, it was that was the day when the tweets surfaced and, and were, made, were made public. And, well, they were already public, but they were found because when he made them, he was a non-league player and not really the story. When he obviously scores his first goal, you know, he becomes the story and that's the focus of it. And I think... His statement in response to that, which basically said, you know, I was a very different person back then. I was part of gangland culture in uh, Britain where um, I was, I was in a rather extreme kind of uh, gang situation. I was living on the streets in, in uh, not living literally on the streets, but it was in the, uh, in the streets of London where he was, it's a very hard place and it's a very um, unaccepting place. And, since then, my views have changed. And it, I, at that point, I kind of think, yeah, I think I think that's right. I think I think it's right that people's views can change. I was an idiot child once and I wouldn't like to be judged by some of the things that I used to think when I was 18, because I'm you know I'm 10 years older, 10 years wiser. And at that point, I, I have to say, I, I think his statement was very well judged. Um, I'd now like to see kind of where it goes because if, if that's it, if that's the end of the matter, then I don't think it's, I don't think it's done. I don't think that because simply because there was so much hatred in, in the original tweets, I think there just needs to be proof that he has changed. And we were talking before about Manchester, Manchester's uh, pride parade. Burnley's got one coming up. Um, I'd like to see him support that for instance, just to, just, just to kind of say, well, actually, you know what I have changed. I have realized I've made a mistake and I realized I've actually been a bit of a dick. So, I'm gonna. I'm making steps to put this right. And I think when we live in a society where there are, like I mentioned before, gay people that, that don't feel comfortable holding a partner's hand in the street or don't feel comfortable introducing a partner to friends and family because of their gender, and we're watching a sport where ultimately there are no gay athletes in the Premier League, there are no gay footballers in any of the leagues in England. As far as I'm aware, down through non-league, I don't know of any. Um... And it's, frankly, only recent, unlo- it, it's only been it recent.
0: It's only been recent that we've even had guys out here come out and and to be straightforward and honest, the players who've come out have had very. I hate saying this like it, but it's but it's been minimal impact. It's been guys fighting for roster spots or guys whose careers were yeah, over, yeah. and they had modest. But carry on, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it, it just when when we live in that kind of situation, then. I think just simply saying sorry isn't enough. You need to prove that you're sorry because it's that sort of attitude that is keeping these players from being themselves and being open about it. I mean, uh, Thomas Hitzelsberger, um, is now openly gay. Um, he knew he was gay when he was a player, but he didn't feel comfortable in e- expressing that. Uh, Robbie Rogers retired from football before be- feeling comfortable to, to rejoin LA Galaxy and and um, kind of resurrect his career. And then on the same weekend when the Andre... Grey tweets came out, he was subject to homophobic abuse. So it, it, it just it's it's an issue that just is and, and to have that to, to have such an inflammatory opinion four years ago, I won't say it's fine, but it's fine to have changed your mind from that. I think at that point then you need to prove that you're doing something to, to put that right.
0: I would agree with you on that front. Um, the only issue... I guess I question with with Andre Gray's statement and, and I did I you know, as a BS detector, I I didn't sense any BS. I, I kinda felt like that one was from the heart, you know. When you own up to something and, and there weren't excuses in there, it was look, I was a dumbass back then and I was part of an environment that cultivated dumbassery. I just I had to get out of that, get my head right, retrain my thoughts and basically rework an entire way of thinking about humanity and about people with with differences in sexuality and, and you know, so on and so forth. Um, and I think you're right. I think he's a work in progress. So I. Do you think maybe asking him to do a gay pride parade might be too big of a step or are we looking at his statement and saying reading it as if he's saying he's completely over you know he he loves gays now in other words
1: I think um I don't think it's a step too far um because the the big thing about I mean take Manchester Pride for instance the big the big thing about that was i the vast majority of the people that went to watch that were friends and families of people who are gay and they might be gay themselves they might not be gay themselves they might that there's there's, and there could be anything in between because the, the the whole sexuality spectrum goes further than that um but they ultimately what they all are is supporters of gay rights and you don't have to be gay to be that and i think ultimately when it comes to andre gray I think what he's saying, if he if he if he does support a Burnley float or he does, you know, he, he does take part in something that Burnley are doing towards their pride parade. Um, I think what he's saying is, is that as a statement of going, hey, look, I was an idiot when I was 18 or 19, whatever it was, and I'm making steps to put this right now. I am not going to sit here and say he has to be comfortable with with gay men and he has to be comfortable with with lesbians. What I'm saying is that he's fine being uncomfortable with it, but he has to make sure that they are not treated any differently to anybody else. And if he's uncomfortable with it, then it's his problem. It's not anybody else's problem for being that. So there's there's no reason why I don't think he can be part of it and why I don't think he could um, simply prove that he... That's what he says by supporting it. He doesn't. I mean, I'm, I'm not suggesting that he, you know, he dresses up in the most flamboyant of outfits and leads the parade down the high street. It's just, just that he am, know, he's involved in I some am. way or the other.
0: I am. I would. I want. I want to see that, kinda. Um, jokingly, kinda. <laughs> uh, all right. The last question I want to ask you because I, I want to be time conscious here of your needs. Um. As it pertains, you know, we've talked about Entree Gray. We've talked about, you know, why it's needed in a larger sense. But now I want to go kind of like mezzo level and talk about what what's needed to be done in the Premier League. Um, Obviously, along with, you know, uh, some of the the racist names that are called. um, Look, there, there may be players who are known to be gay, but but people keep it quiet in the locker. Um, But, uh, you know, the fans, they launch insult on it upon insult upon insult. Um, and, And I guess you have some bands or, you know, stadium, you know, behind closed door games and crap like that. But I sort of think it's just white noise for people like that. You know, like they're just like, oh, I can't go today. Well, I'll just go down to the city square and, you know, call somebody names instead they're not really deterred um the only people who are really hurt by those closed match doors are the genuine fans who treat everybody differently um what what does the premier league do in a in in not in a bad sense but what's not working right now and what needs to change and that'll be how we get out of here
1: um I think I I don't put this down solely to homophobia. Um I put this down to uh, discrimination in general. Uh, the the kick it out campaigns done wonderful things for racism. Uh, however, racism still very much exists. Um I think ultimately it comes down to police in the Premier League grounds. I think um the stewarding needs to be a lot stronger and what I mean by that is um first off it's not easy to confront racism or homophobia or, or something like that in the stands um, because if you stand up from your seat and you go and speak to a steward, then the steward, then two minutes later the steward comes over and says to the guy behind, "Oh, hey, hey you, I've, uh, we've had reports of you being racist. Please get out." Then it's fairly obvious where it's come from. So I think first off there needs to be a way to report it anonymously. You need to be able to open up your smartphone and give your seat reference and say uh, and, and give a seat reference to where there's been some sort of discrimination um i think ultimately the other thing is as well the fans need to they need to help themselves because the number i mean racist incidents are a little bit different because since the the kick it out campaign and since things have moved on in the united kingdom over the last 20 years or so uh generally i i'm i'm not going to sit here and lie to you that i've never heard a racist comment in in um, a football stadium i have done um but equally I've also heard seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, fifteen people turn to the person that said it and go Hey, that's not on. Um I've heard homophobic comments go completely unpassed. And so I think we need to reach a stage first off as well, where they're challenged and somebody says, Look, this what what on earth are you saying? This this you can't say things like that because how do you know that you're not upsetting me or this man or that guy over there or this lady here? So I think it's it it's First off, comes down to that, and I think second off, there needs to be a, a, a division-wide, club-enforced policy that it's that they will ban people caught doing it, and they will ban people who um, who are responsible for that sort of abuse. Um, I, I do find that it's it's difficult to to get that message through. It's difficult to get exactly who is responsible for what through, um, but in cases where it's happened, then. I think people need to come forward and say, "Look, it's happened, and this is the person that did it," and explain why it's not right. And I'm not saying ban them forever, and what I, 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 because I, I mean that doesn't achieve anything. What it does is it makes the taboo more taboo. We need these people to be to be thinking about what they're saying and who they're hurting. If you want, I mean, I put it down to when I'm writing things, I I quite often sit there and think this is rubbish and whenever i put it into the public domain i'm prepared for people to tell me that it's crap because i've already said a lot worse about it because my head is a monster at times i can think some horribly monstrous things that i wouldn't ever dare say and it's fine actually for people to think things that are not very nice providing that afterwards they go oh that wasn't very nice was it i need to I, i need to not let that out and i need to make sure that that never gets out and that's it's probably not true either it's probably got nothing to to do with his skin core or his sexuality and that was that was very wrong and at the minute I think we we live in a society where it's very easy to to let a player who has gone down easily be called a puff or or, or be be called all sorts of, of homophobic names and I've, I'll give you one incident that that happened recently in uh, in a football match I was at um, the guy behind me um, said something uh, to I, w- I won't name uh, who the players was because then it leaves the the game open to interpretation but um, it's uh one of the players went down very easily and he called him a soft queer and i was a I i i'm very passive when it comes to how i'll report things and so i was ready and firing to to fire up the tweet to to city in direct message and uh, well, i've just given away who it was <laughs> um but i was i was uh, direct, i was ready to, to direct message uh, the club and just say look this hasn't happened and i stopped doing it because uh, the two people to my left and my mum on my right hand side all turned around at once and said, "Hey, that's not on." And he turned around and said, "Yeah, I'm very sorry. I didn't mean that." So I think in the heat of the moment, things like that can get said, and provided that we acknowledge that it's wrong and we acknowledge that that there is an element to it that might have just come out of nowhere. You don't. You sometimes don't mean to say something horrid like that, and it just happens. Um, as long as as that's accepted that it is not right and not OK um, and that people challenge it, then I'm all for people apologising, going, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Um, can we forget that it happened, please? And I think we need to get to a position where that is the majority. And at the moment, that's nothing like the majority. <laughs> Um, how else the Premier League can do it? I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of behind closed doors games because, like you say, it's it's the genuine fans that miss out on that one, and, and the one or two idiots that are, that are punished for it. And I, I just I don't think that's the way to go. Uh, the other big thing that we need, um, and we need a top level player who's not at the end of their career to be open about the sexuality. Um, I, I I I think it's it's a very big ask, and I understand why they don't do it. Um, and it make, it makes me curse every day that I never had the skills to be a footballer because there's there's not a chance that I would have been able to remain closeted for thirty until I was thirty three, thirty four. So um, I I I I wouldn't like to sit here and say that I would have uh, I would have happily been the, the first openly gay footballer, but I would definitely have ended up being openly gay at least. Um, and it's just a shame that I am just crap at football, really.
0: No, I I, I hear you, man. In much in the same way that the uh... United States is is waiting for one of those just key athletes to come out and say hey I'm gay. They've had an NBA player who was a journeyman come out and do it, but you you need a player of, you know, not necessarily the Messis or the Ronaldos like, but but maybe you know, on the level of a Neymar on the level of an Aguero, you need like a Ozil or somebody to come out and say hey b t dubs I'm gay like like men
1: yeah you need i think it it needs to be someone who i, I don't i wouldn't even say even at that level i'd say someone who is a solid pre- Premier League player I think, I think I think it has to be somebody with respect
0: year. i think it has to be somebody with respect because I've looked at this subject you know for in, in America because there's so many there's so many pro leagues and and they battle this with dudes coming out especially in football and depending you know it just it it's got to be one of those major it's got to be a key athlete on a team because I just, because it, it, it just does. I've seen it too many times in America where a step lower than that doesn't make the noise. Like I said, yeah. J- Jason Collins is one of those solid players. He was solid. Everybody in the league loved him. He was well-respected. Great. He wasn't a superstar. And if you ask the fans who he was, it didn't change minds. But if, and again, I don't, I'm going to pick a different person again. If somebody like Alexi Sanchez comes out and says, I'm gay, that changes the game for me.
1: Yeah, it does because it it, ultimately it goes to prove that the top level players are good because they're good at football, not because of who they sleep with. And it's, I think it's um, I actually think one of the other things that we can do, and it's interesting that at the, uh, that at the start of the show, there was uh, that you, you said about the disclaimer about if you're not comfortable with this, then that's your beef. Um, I actually think the people that aren't comfortable with it need to need to be made comfortable with it. And I think they it, it need one of the things is they need to listen to things like this and they need to they need to sit there and squirm through a, a discussion that they're not comfortable with, because that's how taboos stop being taboos. You know, that's how we, we can sit around, uh, uh, you know, and, and quite happily discuss things with friends and family that 20 years ago we, we just would not have brought up. And while things are taboo, that's when they they are a little bit mysterious, they're a little bit unknown, and then people get scared of them. And that's how you end up with discrimination so I think it's it's a big thing that that I, I, the other thing I think we can do is just talk about it what just just make sure that people are aware that it's an issue and that there are there, there are actually thousands of people that go to football stadiums up and down the country every week that sit there and you know do feel like they're under pressure to be something that they're not so it just it, I think it's important that we as a society you know just pull together on this issue and as a sport, I find it odd that that football is so far behind the the rest of modern life. You look at, you know, I I always I I always sit there and and run through the maths of it because the general kind of accepted statistic, and it's I don't know how accurate it is anymore, but the but from when I was growing up, it was always that roughly one in ten people is gay in the in the uh, British population. Um, I would expect when it comes to football that. You know, if if you're growing up gay, the chances are that you may not have been involved in football. And I am willing to accept that I am one of the few who were. So so already, I think that when it comes to the numbers, I I would expect the numbers in football to be to be a little bit fewer. So maybe one in 25, one in 30, for instance. Um, that still means that there should be a decent average of gay footballers in the Premier League, Championship, League One, League Two. Um, but none are open about it I I flip the other side of the coin when you look at at kind of like the service industries and um, an airline um, it's quite a a stereotypically in inverted commas gay career to be cabin crew for instance Um, I I understand entirely why you see more gay people in that field because it's one of the fields that they felt accepted in and one of the fields where they were where it was accessible so if you bring that one in ten figure it might be one in five for that so I understand why there's a differential, but it doesn't mean that, that the differential should end up to zero because I don't think there's any walk of life where it doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, I, I'm in 100% agreement with you, and that's why I I record these podcasts, and that's why I have these chats, is because I think that the more conversations that are out there for people to listen to, the more people who are willing to sit there and say, you know, man, I can... I can talk about this in a context of football. Can you listen about it? You know, like yeah, yeah. So, uh, I I I love doing this stuff, and and I really appreciate that you you took time out of your day to come on. Um, I want to give you just a, a, a you know, well, not just a moment. I want to give you as much time as you want to. Uh, <laughs> you know, talk about what you have going on right now with the blue moon podcast, because you guys are doing some big things, uh, but you're also asking for, I, I say help from the fans, but it's, it's, it's going to be a quid pro quo type of deal. So why why don't you explain more? So I don't scare people off.
1: Yeah, we're not, we're, uh, we're, we're certainly not asking for uh, something for nothing. We, uh, we started the show about uh we're in our eighth season now so we started the show about eight years ago um and it was recorded on a little handheld uh microphone in my car um over the over the kind of like the 18 months after that we managed to get involved with a local radio station and we've uh, we've been borrowing their studio ever since um and one thing's led to another which has kind of made sure that um, we're a little bit concerned about being able to continue using the studio because we are effectively using it for free. So we're stealing it. Um, and so what, what we've, what we've been asking uh, people to do is, is we want to, to keep the quality of the show as high as we can. We want to keep having great guests. There's only so many times you can ask guests to, you know, give up 90 minutes of their, of their day, drive to a studio and, and record you know, a 90 minute long show and then head off home and, you know, take the time out of their evenings to do it uh, without them going, well, actually, you know, I'm not available this week or, you know, I, I, I've actually got to do this and, you know, I'm on deadline for that. So we want to be able to make sure that that we can keep those people coming and we can, I'm not looking to, to make them millionaires. I just want to be able to cover their travel expenses, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, so what we're asking, if if people listen to the show and they enjoy the show, uh, we're asking for sponsorship through uh, a website called uh, Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Um, and they're, they're, uh, because we're very aware that that people who listen to the show might not be able to afford to to give every week or to give every month, there are people that, that might not want to. There are people that might not think it's worth anything. They might think it's worth millions. They might think it's worth nothing. It, it's entirely up to them. Um we don't want to charge for content we don't want to make any of the shows that we make regularly anyway uh charged for we don't we we don't want to isolate people like that because it's i think it's important that discussions like we have and like we've had tonight are are, are free for people to listen to and to disagree with and to agree with and to get in touch about to get involved with all the sort of debate discourse is wonderful when you when it's you know informed and when it's it's a two way thing uh, so for those who um, pledge five dollars a month, which is um, the lowest kind of reward bracket, uh, we're doing an extra weekly show with the panelists that have been on that uh, on that episode, uh, where we generally talk about memories of, of the coming fixture and you know we, uh, recently we've just done the Manchester derby at Old Trafford, so uh, that's for the current week that we're in now. Um, that we, we you know we've we've put a little feature together about the 2000 2000- an eight derby. We've, lit, we've talked about memories of, uh, it was Richard Burns and Dan Book going to Old Trafford and what it was like there. Um, next week we've got, uh, because it's the international break, we're obviously not going to do two Manchester United shows in a, in a row. Uh, and we've, uh, we're lucky enough to be joined by the Sunday Mirrors, Simon Mullock, uh, and the Independents, Mark Ogden. Um, and they're going to be talking about how City are perceived in the media with bias and, and how the fans... Uh, perceive how city are reported on that sort of thing um so it should be very interesting chat that's the the, the kind of five dollar show and then for ten dollars a month uh, they get all of them anyway and then on top of that they'll get uh, one monthly show where we get one of the panelists in uh, with their father and um and we do what we're calling the blue moon dad cast which is uh, we did the first one of them for for august richard burns and his dad tony were in and uh, they're two of a kind and it's it's really great fun to just find out about the family and how they've they've grown up watching city together and uh, it's it's kind of quite sweet to, to to actually find out how much they know about each other so it's uh, it, it, we, we don't we, we always wanted to say whatever whatever you were getting then it had to be worth something we couldn't just ask people to, to sponsor so we we wanted to give something back for that um but on top that's on top of the uh, the regular shows anyway um they will they're free they'll always be free to listen to i uh, i'm i'm a big fan of of keeping keeping that uh, that main show um available for everybody and uh, those that want a little bit more can can pledge a little bit and they'll uh, they'll get a little bit as well and we 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 hope it's not kind of the the bars we hope the bar's not been set too high and the the kind of the tangible benefits so far that we've heard uh first off is is howard Hawking this first month we bought him um his own radio quality microphone so it means that he's been in uh, he's been in radio quality for this season so far and uh, he sounds wonderful so that's that's the very first thing we d- we do have other other things planned um but uh, we need to make sure that we've uh, we've got a few funds in to, to be able to do them and keep going another thing is as well we wanted to make sure that we didn't carry adverts because um I think when it comes to, to radio shows, it's a bit different because you don't skip through them. I think when it comes to the advert break on a podcast, I worry that people might switch off. Um, and it just sounds a little bit too commercial. So I uh, I was strongly against the idea of, of getting sponsors in. And also, you don't have to answer to your sponsors. So if uh, if we got um, that several sponsors in and then they asked us why they weren't seeing a response, they might just disappear. Uh, there's no way to uh, to say, actually, you know. The fans are supporting this and we'd like to give a little bit back instead so that's that's ultimately what we're trying to do with the show nobody ever wants
0: to be beholden to the man david nobody ever wants to be <laughs> beholden to the man all right i i so i'm going to get you out of here on a fun note because i i you know i i uh much like myself your twitter timeline suggests that you're somewhat of a gamer. Um, <laughs> well, I, First of all, what did you think of Uncharted Four, and are you going to pick up Pez or FIFA,
1: or both? Um, Uncharted Four, um, I was a little bit disappointed. Right. Um, I, I I loved it as a game. I thought the developments that had been made to it, to the gameplay. I should say that, as a, in terms of a gamer, I am terrible at games. Um, I when when games have difficulty settings, mine's always easy or easier. <laughs> um, I, I just can't do them, but I thought it was very, I thought, I thought the mechanisms were very good. I liked the, uh, the, the, addition of like the swing rope and all yeah, that Yeah, it, awesome. it was kind of awesome. I thought it was very, very playable. Um, but, but it just didn't feel like an Uncharted game to me. And I, what I bought into in Uncharted 1, 2, and 3 was... Yeah. The, the the kind of the feeling that was there as well, and it felt it felt like a great huge studio production that was it looked wonderful it sounded great the the acting was brilliant I actually thought the story was a little bit flaky at times um, and it felt a little bit padded out in times as well um, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the stories for uh, Uncharted one to three were were fantastic but they they certainly felt very kind of Uncharted to me and this one kind of felt a little bit less like that
0: and I wouldn't wonder how much of that had to do with the uh, switch of um, of uh, directors and writers yeah. in the process of that but, but I, uh, I could see
1: I mean I mean in my, one of my biggest uh, one of my favorite games has been uh, The Last of Us and you could see the influence that that game had on Uncharted 4 so it's uh, it's it certainly you can see that it shared a director they they felt very very similar those two games Yeah, that is true
0: uh, so PES or FIFA
1: um, I don't know because I didn't buy last year. Um, I normally me and my mate Kev, who uh, is he's never going to hear this because he's a Wolves fan, um, but me and him have uh, have normally spent years playing FIFA, um, week after week after week, and it's always been FIFA. Uh, last year he got PES and I didn't get one of them because I had uh, I just didn't have time uh, to be to be playing games. I never had uh, use of the television when he was uh, when he was available, so he, we never. Ended up playing uh, this year. If I get one, um, it might be Pez. It might have, be Pez. I, I'll probably have to play the demos for Yeah,
0: I, I, that's, I have the demo sitting on my screen. That's sort of what spawned the question. I, I downloaded it. The challenge has definitely been upped, and I'm sure that they'll do some tweaks uh, based on feedback. Uh, just on on some of the little things but uh, my roommate was even commenting last night that like he feels like the controls are much more intuitive like it can sense what you want what you want or you're thinking you want to do just yeah. in terms of shaking a player off of you and keeping the ball it, it naturally does some of that stuff for you and that's huge because yeah, I, can, I,
1: I can I can feel, I feel that because FIFA certainly It felt very, very boxed off, and it felt very mechanical at times.
0: Ah, yes. And to input, like, moves to get around people, it was worse than, like, the old Street Fighter games when you had characters like Dulcim or Zangief, which required, like, full circle motions and half circle (laughs) motions. I'm like... The hell, man! Why can't you guys just make this thing like down, down, down right? You know, like this is yeah. stupid. But uh, cool, man, David. I I definitely appreciate
1: which your is, time. Which is also ultimately, which is why. Uh, just before you finish, um, I think one of the best games that has been the most accessible for controls and for ability uh, is Portal and Portal Two. Uh, huh. Simply because they, if you if you notice the the big thing about those two games, there was no difficulty settings on them. You Everybody played on the same difficulty. And if you're rubbish at games like me, or if you're an expert at games like my mate Kev, you both got the same level of enjoyment out of the same difficulty rating, and I think that was... The the ability to do that was wonderful.
0: Huh, that's very interesting. I've heard good things about it. I think my favorite game for controls has almost always been... Uh, Grand Theft Auto Um, I think that
1: you know I've never played them
0: dude there's so much there (laughs) so much there Uh, I can't even begin to express to you how much fun is there it allows you to take that side of yourself that's almost probably too unethical and just channel it into something that's hilariously well Let's just face it, it's it's still it's hilariously inhumane. And uh but but the writing is really, really witty. It's always really funny, and I've I've never seen a studio that puts out games as consistently like in the ten category as as Rockstar. They just they just get it. And and they take forever yeah. to come out with a new game, like five years, five, six years. But man, when they come out, you are so glad you waited. They're like
1: Yeah, I, I know. I know what you mean.
0: But all right, here, Dave. I, I just want to say thank you uh, again. Um, be, people can find you on Twitter at David Mooney. Uh, if you would like to follow us, we are on Twitter at America Citizens. Uh, that's America with no N because Twitter uh, handles and city spelled with a Y, citizens. Uh, as for me, I am Josh, and I want to thank Dave again for taking time out of his day uh, to do this with us. And we will catch you here next time on American Citizens.